And so uh, we're going to continue with this, this idea of, of prayer tonight. Uh, and so before we do that, you know, let's, let's pray. Everything was super crazy, so uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. God, we thank you that uh, we can dive into your word this evening. And God, I just pray that uh, you would speak to us, as we said just a little bit ago. God, we, we really want to experience your presence. We really want to hear from you. God, we don't want this to be a going through the motion sort of thing. And so, God, we're open. Our hearts are receptive. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So uh, have you guys ever noticed that, and this it sounds kind of stupid to say, but that if, if you're going to, going to like hold on to anything, if you're going to hold on to anything, like you actually have to hold it well. Have you ever realized that? Like if, you're going, if your objective is to hold on to something, you actually have to hold it well. You have to hold it tightly. Uh, so, you know, I, I have young daughters, and uh, I, I find myself a lot of the times, you know, I, especially if they're distracted, uh, saying th- if I'm going to, like, let's say I'm going to hand them a, a cup of water, be like, hey, you, you better hold on to that. It's like, well, they're not dumb. Like, they, they know. It's like, oh, I don't know what happened. You know, they, they know to hold on to it. But it's like, okay, they, they're going to hold it, but it's like they have to know to hold it well. You get what I'm saying? Like, you have to hold it well. Um, it's, it's about to be summer. Any, anybody like summer? So we, uh, uh, Alyssa um, had a family member that had a boat for a little while. And so we would go to, to Tiger Lake, and we would go uh, water skiing and wakeboarding. And kneeboarding is a lot of fun if you've never done that. I actually lost my first wedding band's wakeboarding. We're not going to bring that up. Alyssa's not here, so she would... Murder me, which she already knows, but she doesn't like me to talk about it. Anyway, because uh, she told me, she was like, that ring is too loose. And I was like, no, it's not. And then I lost it. So it's at the bottom of the Tiger Lake. Anyway, uh, so, you know, we, we would be like wakeboarding, skiing, all that stuff. And uh, you, you have to, like, whenever you're even getting out of the water, I don't know if you've ever, like, done that before, you have to, you have to learn to hold on to it well because the boat takes off pretty quickly and so if you're not holding on to it well, it's just going to, like, rip out of your hands. I and mean, you're not ever going to get up out of the water. You're just going to be sitting there floating like a log. Um, which, another crazy story, I almost got ran over by a DNR boat one time. And so, yeah, that happened. Uh, what is it? You're not allowed to get in the water. No, no, I'm not allowed to get in the water. But, uh, you know, it, once you actually get out of the water, it's not like, oh, you're fine. It's like you actually have to keep on holding on because if you let, if at any point you let go or lose your grip, the boat's going to go that way and you're going to go that way. You know, so you, like you've got, you've got to hold it well. Another thing is in football. Uh, so I played football growing up in school. And so they teach you, like, you have to hold on to the football. You know, yeah, I know. Who would have thought? This is all like massive, you know, revelation. But it's like they'll tell you. So you'll have guys, you'll have guys that like, you know, like the guys that think that they're cool. You know what I'm talking about? Like they, when they walk in, they're like, they like act like they can't even move their feet. They're like dragging their feet. This is how, that's how cool you, you, you know you are, like depending on how much you drag your feet and how slowly you walk. Anyway, so it's like guys will think they're cool and they'll like hold on to it. Like it's like like out here, and they're running out out like this, and then all of a sudden, which I don't want to throw my Bible, but it like it like pops out, and you know, they fumble it, unless they're not holding it very carefully. So you know they, they'll tell you tuck it in really well, 
you know, two-handed, you know, that sort of thing. Because if, if, if you don't hold it well, if you're careless about it, then it's just going to, like, accidentally pop out. And then the other thing is you've, you've got people that are actively trying to, like, strip the ball out of your hands, right? So it's like not only do you not, like, got to be an idiot and not drop it, but then it's like you've got people that are actively trying to prevent you from holding on to the ball. Uh, so, you know, th this is actually, it, it's, it's a very natural thing, but it's also a spiritual reality and a spiritual principle as well. That when it comes to our faith, we have to hold on to it tightly. So look with me at Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 23. So it says, let us, oh, freak, I forgot. I want to do this in the New Living Translation. Anybody have the New Living Translation Bible? You do? Sweet. Sorry, give me a second. Hebrews 10. 23, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. So just like you've got to hold on to a football, just like you've got to really hold on to a cup, it says, you've got to hold on tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm. Well, what is the hope that we affirm? When you hear in the Bible people talking about like our hope, all oh, our hope, our hope, they like, they most of the time just refer to it in the sense of heaven, right? Like, uh, you know, it's the hope of heaven, the hope of the soon return of Jesus. And it's like the hope of this one day thing. Um, but heaven, heaven doesn't just happen. Right. If, if even if we are going to say like it's the hope of heaven, we're holding on to the fact that one day we're going to be in heaven. Then it's not just it's just going to happen. It also has to include everything that actually gets us to heaven. You know what I'm saying? So it's like it's, it's not just we're hoping that one day we're going to end up in heaven. It's we're we're holding on to the reality and to the hope that, of what God has done for us. We're holding on to the reality of who God says we are, of what God says we can do, of what God says that we can have. All of these things compiled that actually enable us to get to the heaven part, that we have to hold tightly onto them. Uh, you know, one of, one of the realities that we have to constantly push back against, as we were saying with, uh, with you know, the football analogy, is that whenever we don't hold things tightly, People have a tendency to just fumble the revelations that they've been given from, from the Lord. Because, you know, we, we, we teach, you know, every single week. We talk, we, you know, we preach out of the word. But it's like if, if we just, like, make these things, these truths, things that we just, like, know, things that we just study, uh, you know, really just facts, then what's going to happen is that we're going to have just like a, a, a very meander-like uh, draw to them 
where we don't actually ever take anything seriously. And just like that football player that would just hold it out there and never take anything seriously, though you have the word of God, and though, though, you, like, though you know the things, because you're not actually taking it seriously, then what's going to happen is eventually you're just going to lose it. And people lose it. People, people lose it for all sorts of different reasons. You know, Because, I mean, in America, in the United States at least, everybody knows about God. You know, for, for, the, for the large part. Like a lot of people know about Jesus. A lot of people know about him. But that, that doesn't actually change anything. You know, it's like you can also know about soap, but not actually be clean. You know what I'm saying? So it's like it's not just a a knowing that we actually are dealing with here. It's 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 a, a seriousness that we have to hold to these things to then actually see them come to pass in our life. And that's what the Bible that's what the Bible. I don't know why I keep picking up my Bible and setting it down. I'm just going to hold it. Um. But that's what the Bible talks about in, in Mark chapter 4 in the parable of the sower. So I'm not going to read there tonight, but in the parable of the sower, Jesus is giving us a, a teaching about how the word of God is received in people. How the word of God is received in people's hearts. And he compares it to a seed. That these, that these words, they're not just things to know. They're a seed to be planted into our heart and into our life. And a seed, a seed takes root. A seed grows. And so if, if we just treat it like something that is just, just a fact and we're, we're, we're not holding it, you know, as, as something that we should consider carefully, then what's going to happen is one of, the, one of the, the, the things that happens in the parable of the sower is that, okay, sometimes it doesn't get sown on good ground. Sometimes it gets choked out. But then another one of the instances, if you, if you read the story, is that Satan, who's the, the bird in the story, comes to steal the seed. And so what that's a picture of is people that have just heard it and just know it at some sort of base surface level and doesn't actually take root. But what's happened is that the seed just lands on, it's like they know it, it's hit their ground, it's hit their heart, it's hit them, it's landed on them, they know it. But, but Satan, because they didn't allow it to actually take effect in them, comes and steals it like a bird steals a seed. And, that, you know, that's what the Bible says of Satan, that he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, right, in John 10.10. 10. And so, and so the, you know, in order for the, the word of God to actually take root in our lives and for it to actually affect us, then it has to, be, it has to become something that we don't have just like a, a, a loose respect for or a loose grip on, it actually has to become something that it says that we hold tightly and without wavering. You know, just like a, a seed, what actually happens if you study it, the ground, it like absorbs the seed. It, you know, it, 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 it completely encompasses that seed. And so it's, it's we've got to have that same reality and the same mindset about our hearts that this isn't just something that can just sit surface level in my mind. This is something that has to get deep. I've got to hold tightly onto this thing. And the the problem is that most of the time people have a very, very loose grip on on what God has to say. They've got a very, very loose grip about who God says they are, about what God says they have. Um, You know, so how, how you know, how you know whether or not people have a loose grip on things is because they, they end up all over the place. 
they're, they're never consistent, and it doesn't seem like there's actually really any growth because that's what the seed should do. The seed should grow. And so you'll, you'll, take, you'll take believers who they're all over the place, and you can really see this in terms of, like, divine healing. You, you know that they don't have a firm grip on healing, on, on divine healing, because when everything is fine, you know, like, the, the health-wise, when everything is fine, it's like, oh, yeah, God's my healer. Yeah, God, yeah, God is a healer. You know, Jehovah Rapha, you know, God, you know. And they're, like, saying all the things because they know all the things. But then it's like as soon as there's some, like, health scare, as soon as there's some health scare, it's like, oh, man, I don't, I don't know if God actually wants to heal me in this particular situation. They're, they're going back and forth. They can't decide actually they can't decide actually what they think and believe. Why? Well, because the word that they heard about healing, you know, and there's, we're not going to get into it tonight, but there's all sorts of scriptures. Like one is, one scripture, Psalm 107, verse 20, it says he sent his word and healed them. It's like the word is, is healing. Another one is Proverbs chapter 4, uh, verse, it starts in verse 23, and it says, my words are health to those who find them. Life to those who find them, I'm sorry, and health to all their flesh. And so, and so you can see that with healing where people, they, they waver and they just go back and forth because they didn't, they didn't hold tightly to, to, the, to the word that they received. But then you can see it in other, in other places as well. So people, especially students, one of the things that they'll struggle with is, is the love of God. And they'll go back and forth so many times from encouragement to discouragement. You know, I think that's one of the one of the big reasons why the Gen Z generation uh, is, so, is so like a depressed generation. Because though we live in a country where people like know about God, Gen Z in large part doesn't know anything about God. You know, they know God, but they don't actually know him. And so because of that, because there's no, there's no seed of their worth in God, because there's no seed of their value in God, and because they have just like this very loose kind of grip understanding of, of God's love for them, what, what they really end up going through in life is just, you know, it's just terrible. They feel like they've got no future. They feel like, they feel like nobody loves them. And so it's, it takes an actual gripping of God's truths to actually see that thing come to pass. Or another one is whenever it comes to uh, like your, your value and your significance and that like God has a place for you. So, you know, Christians will get like all worked up and offended at, at different things. They'll get offended and, and, and jealous because like someone else is like singing on the platform instead of them or, you know, so, someone was like more successful than them. Well, what was the problem? Like, what? okay, well, it's because at some point in time, they lost the grip on the fact that, no, just because someone else has an opportunity and is on the stage or is serving on the welcome team, just because someone else has an opportunity doesn't mean that God hates you. You know, j just, because, just because God is using someone else doesn't mean he doesn't want to use you. But it's at some point that people have lost the grip on scriptures like Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. But people, when they lose the grip on the word of God, then their life just goes, you know, all haywire in, in different directions. And so, you know, life, life doesn't have to be that way for us, though. 
We don't have to just constantly be swinging back and forth about what we think and believe. No, what's actually supposed to happen is that is if we hold tightly to the word and allow it to take root in our hearts, when you read the parable of the sower, it says that it'll, it'll produce a crop uh, uh, 30, 60, and 100 times fold. That God will actually, whenever we decide, no, I'm going to be someone that doesn't have just like a loose grip on the word of God. I'm going to be someone that holds tightly without wavering, that I'm going to get it down in my heart. That, that, when that when a person decides that, that's when God begins to grow things in their life, begins to produce supernatural things, where they begin to produce a harvest. It said 30, 60, 100 times fold. That means, that means, you go from someone to being like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm just like a relatively nice person to, okay, you know what? Now you're operating in a gift of compassion and that God, God can then begin to promote you as someone who is, oh, yeah, I'm just a nice person to then someone who's operating in like a gift of healing because you, you work in compassion as someone who, who operates in gifts of service. God can just begin to elevate uh, who you are or you take someone of that, that you know, like even like you guys, most of the time, people at your age think that like God doesn't really have anything for them, and that what God does have for them is like later in life. But as soon as you get the Word of God in your heart, that know that you know as 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 Paul told Timothy, don't let anybody tell you that you're young, don't let anybody despise you of your youth, but be an example. In, in faith, in purity, in love, and he lists all these things. When you begin to realize that, no, God calls young people to do things right now, then what, what happens is God begins to, like, explode and, and to promote the things that you're doing already. Is that you'll actually see, and I, you see it in churches all the time, where the students actually end up carrying most of the influence and the power in the church. Why? Because they're the ones that actually have gotten it in their heart that God loves them and that God is going to use them, you know. And so the, we don't have to just struggle back and forth uh, through life, you know, because that's what will happen in, in football is that if you just keep fumbling what you're supposed to hold on to, you're never going to score. You're never going to score. It's, you're just going to be struggling over and over again with this thing that, that you're supposed to hold on to. But if you would just take a little bit of effort and hold on to it tightly, then you stop fumbling it. Then you, stop, then you stop messing up. You know, it's like with forgiveness. Another good example is with forgiveness. People, Christians know to forgive people, but then they get all bitter and resentful, you know, and just angry. I don't want to like, even in my own family, it seems like, you know, there's been times where like people in my own family, like cousins and grandparents, wouldn't talk to each other for like 15 years. I'm dead serious. And it's like, why? Aren't y'all, don't you, aren't y'all Christians? Like, don't, you are, you do believe in Jesus, right? Okay, so what is the problem? It's not that they weren't actually saved to begin with. The problem is that they weren't holding tightly to, to God's word on forgiveness and understanding the, the reality of it and letting it dig deep into their heart. And so we, you know, it doesn't have to go that way for us. We don't have to keep fumbling things and just be in a state of struggle and never actually growing in the things of God. No, what we can do is, as this says, hold tightly. If God is saying to hold it tightly, then we can do it. If God is saying to hold it tightly, if that's an instruction, something that we're supposed to do, then that simultaneously means that we have the power and the ability to actually do it. And we can do it. We can, we can hold tightly to God's word and actually see it take effect in our lives and become someone that produces some insane fruit. 
has an impact on, in, our, in our world. And so how do we do that? How do we hold tightly to, to the word of God? I want to draw your, draw your attention to, to one of the words that it uses. It says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. To the hope we affirm. So when you have, whenever you look up like the word affirm, it, it means two things. I, I looked it up online. I pulled it from uh, dictionary.com. So it says, affirm means this. It means to state or assert positively. And then it also means to maintain as true. It means to, to state or assert positively. That means you're saying yes. It's like, it's kind of like confirm. If you affirm that something is true, you are saying, yes, it is true. Yes, yes, it is true. Uh, and we're not talking about like some, you know, military fact or something. We're talking about the word of God. And so we're affirming that it's true. Yes, God's word is true. The, the, you know, we're holding tightly to the fact that this is true. But it's not that even this is just true. This isn't about God. This is about you. How do we know that? Well, because the Bible says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. You know, God so loved the world. The Bible is, is God's like, letter to humankind to let them know that he loves them, to get them to heaven. The Bible isn't just stuff to know about God. The Bible is God trying to get us information. And so when we're agreeing to things in the Bible, it's not just, oh, yeah, that is true. No, it's true about you. This is for you. So when we agree to it, when we're affirming it, it's not just, oh, yes, that is a good thing. No, it's that is for me. That is a good thing for me. And affirmation it, it means, means for me. So number one, it's you're saying yes. You're saying yes to it. But then the second aspect of that definition says, it says maintain as true, to maintain as true. So, so in other words, it's, it's a continuing process of upholding. Uh, a synonymous word with affirm, if you look it up, is to uphold. And so it's a continuous process. So this isn't something, this isn't just like a one and done sort of thing. Whenever we approach the word of God and begin to identify what he says about us, who he says that we are, what he says that we have, then it's not just like this, this something that we know about. No, it's something that we continue to uphold and affirm in our lives. That's where people get the, get the terminology and affirmation. It becomes something that they develop as a confession and as a reality in their life. It's an, uh, God's word, if we're going to hold it tightly, we have to view it as not a fact to know, but as an affirmation to uphold. God's word isn't something to know. It's an affirmation. It's an affirmation. Uh, who, in here does, who in here knows what an affirmation is? Have you like heard of, heard of that b before? Yeah, so I mean, a good bit of people, like people talk about, um, you know, manifesting their destiny. Where's Jordan? Uh, and, you know, but like, you know, about like manifesting things and stuff like that. And 
sometimes Christians can get into this like weird state where it's like to confess things and to affirm things vocally. It's where they think it's like some Eastern weird sort of like teaching. But, you know, Jesus actually teaches affirmation. Jesus actually teaches this, this, and this is what brings us into what this has to do with the secret place, is that Jesus, whenever he teaches on prayer, he teaches us to begin it with affirmation. So, so look with me at Luke chapter 11. Starting in verse 1, it says, Now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And so he said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven. We're just going to stop right there. So he says, Our Father. Our Father. Now, we gloss over this like in, in, in like the church world, we gloss over this like, like it's just this thing. But this, this, this is actually chock full of revelation. And you'll see that this is actually Jesus teaching us to have an affirmation or a confession. Because think about it. Our father, who's, who's father? Who's father? Okay, okay, so it's not, your, your dad is Luke. My dad is Mark. So, okay, so this isn't speaking in human terms, right? We're just breaking this down, you know, super, super, you know, basic. But it's like, this isn't speaking in human terms. This is speaking in spiritual terms. Our Father. But now, okay, hold on a second. Jesus, Jesus could say our Father, and he actually did. And we, uh, we're running out of time. I don't know if we're going to open up the verse. We might get into it here in a minute. But Jesus went around saying, my father in heaven, my father, my father. But Jesus could literally say that. Why could Jesus say my father? Well, because Jesus was God's son in a literal sense. In a literal sense, in a human sense, he was even God's son. How? Well, because God, the Bible says that God overshadowed the Virgin Mary, right? And she conceived and gave birth to a son. So therefore, Jesus did not have an earthly father. Jesus had God as his father. The conception was from God and then from Mary. So Jesus, that's where we get to teaching that Jesus was fully God, but also fully human. He had God as his quite literal father and then and then Mary as his, as his mother, fully God and fully human. In John 3.16, if you read in one of like the, like the older translation Bibles, like a New King James Version, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his, his only begotten son. You guys have heard that term before, begotten. We don't really use that term anymore, begotten. But it's, it's not just like, like gave birth to a son, like he made. Begot, begot is... It's like a reproducing. So a chicken begets a chicken, right? A Chinese dude begets a Chinese dude, you know. Like, you, you know, it produces Chinese children. You beget after your own kind. <laughs> but you can also, you can make things, right? You can make things. So Jesus, 
begetting isn't making. There's a difference. And so Jesus wasn't, wasn't uh, he wasn't just like God's only son from like a, he, he made him to be. No, he like bore him as his son. But we don't have that, that same like reality over us, right? We, my mom wasn't the Virgin Mary. You know, your mom wasn't the Virgin Mary. So then, so, but so you, uh, hopefully you're starting to see where this is linking. So then how on earth is Jesus teaching us to then confess God as our father? He's not our father. He's Jesus' father. Jesus could say he's his father, but he's not our father. Okay, but th- this is Jesus's, this is how he's teaching us to have an affirmation. Because we know this to be a spiritual truth and a spiritual reality, right? Is that, is that the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, that we've been adopted, we've been adopted into, the, into a sonship, as the Bible says. And it's by this that we cry, Abba, Father. It's Romans, Romans chapter 8. That we've been adopted. The Bible says in, in Romans chapter 1, verse 12, it says, To all who received him, to all who believed in his name, to them he gave the right to become sons of God. It's, it's like we weren't born of God in a literal sense like Jesus, but now because of Jesus' work on the cross, spiritually, God views us as someone who's his son. It's an adoption that's taken place. And so because this isn't a natural reality for us, this is something that we have to physically align our minds to. This is, this is Jesus saying, whenever you get into God's presence, whenever you go to pray, you need to begin with the reality that you're God's father. You need to begin to align yourself, or that you're God's son, or you're God's daughter, not you're God's father. <laughs> and so, and so it's you're, what you're doing, this is where the Bible talks about clothing yourself with Christ. What you're doing is you're putting on God's mindset about you, that God views you in this way, that you're his son, that you're his daughter. And so this is true when it, when it comes to to your sonship in God, but this is, also, this is also a principle I think Jesus is teaching in general because when you study Luke 11, th- these aren't just things that you want to like repeat and say, really, what, though you can, really this is a structure. This is a structure and a format for how to pray. So what Jesus is teaching us that our time in a secret place needs to, be, needs to include a segment of affirmation, needs to include a segment of affirmation where we are confessing and agreeing and upholding the things that God says about us as true. Because our Father, that's, that's a loaded statement. Our Father, our, my Father, God, man, God is my Father. I'm His Son. This doesn't make sense. That if, if He's my Father, then that means I have His DNA. Because a dog begets a dog. A dog, a dog produces dogs, Right? So God, the Bible says, if anyone is born of the Spirit, what does it say? Then, then we've been what? We've been made new creatures. We've been made, you know, behold, all things have passed away, all things are new. And so, and so we take time. The secret place is the time. Hold on, I said it. Let me see how I said it. A key, a key activity can't remember how I worded it. A key activity in the secret place then is affirmation. A key activity in secret place 
is affirmation, where we begin to affirm the truths that God says about us, where we uphold what God says about us, bring ourselves into alignment with it.